Well, thank you for your patience this morning. I had a glitch and had to clear up my glitch before I could preach. Daryl, you ever had a glitch? Daryl's had glitches too. Thank you all for being here this morning. Do you love the Lord? Say amen. 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 Let's turn to Daniel chapter 9 this morning. Daniel chapter 9. Uh, this is our last message in this series of unshakable, thriving, no matter what hits you. And we've been talking nine weeks about everything in life that can come after you and hit you and try to take you down. But we know as believers, we know as uh, born-again believers, that regardless of whatever life throws at us, we are more than overcomers in the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So regardless of what comes our way, we've saw through the life of Daniel that one situation after another situation, after another trouble, another trial, another hardship, Daniel remains faithful to God. He stands steadfast upon the Word of God, the, the times that God had saw him through every situation he faced. He remained faithful to God. God remained faithful to him. And Daniel continued to grow in wisdom, grow in prominence, grow in influence. He, he, he became the third highest uh, leader in that, uh, in that nation. He served under uh, three kings and two kingdoms. And here we are at the end of Daniel's life. And probably one of the most remarkable instances we'll read in the book of Daniel. There was a lot of exciting things about the life of Daniel how that uh, his nation was overtaken when he was only 15 years old and he was carried away into captivity in the land of Babylon. Uh, he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace and God delivered them from that. Uh, we was looking last week at how his co-workers came against him and tried to set him up uh, to get rid of him, to get the king to kill him. And because of Daniel's faithfulness, uh, the king showed him favor even after he was thrown in the lion's den. God showed him favor, delivered him from the lion's den. And uh, because of these great uh, acts of faith on behalf of Daniel, he led two kings to faith in God. So regardless of what life throws at us, know that God is using each and every circumstance to grow us and to bring Him honor and glory. To grow us and bring Him honor and glory. As you came in this morning, hopefully you brought in a listening guide uh, in your bulletin. Did, anybody, did everybody get a, a bulletin this morning with a listening guide on the inside? If not, raise your hands and we'll get one to you. Does anybody need a listening guide? All right, we want you to use a listening guide this morning, fill in the blanks as we go along. The reason I, I picked the video I wanted to show before the sermon this morning, first of all, it was awfully cute, wasn't it? It was, but it was children praying. Now, how many knows that those children were not born knowing how to pray? They were imitating, they were mimicking what they've seen their parents and grandparents and siblings do. So, so they've got some godly parents bringing them up, teaching them how to pray and be thankful to God. My question to you is, which one of those prayers that they prayed looks most like your prayer life? Most of them? Any of them? Here's what I do know. I believe with all my heart, I like to think this. I like to think that God heard every one of those prayers, aren't you? 
Why? Because of those pure hearts. I believe God heard every one of those prayers. Today we're going to be talking about the kind of prayer God answers. The kind of prayer God answers. Now we know, we know as being students of the Word of God, that God answers every prayer His children pray. Can I get an amen? God answers every prayer we ever pray. God gives yes answers, and God gives no answers, and God gives not right now answers. But God answers every prayer we pray. Today we're going to focus in on the kind of prayer that God answers the way we pray it. Now you can learn to pray, and you can learn to pray better, and you can learn to pray biblically. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Daniel, through his wisdom and knowledge of the Word of God, Daniel learned how to pray prayers that God said yes to more often than God said no to. So, how many of you all pray on a regular basis? That's a good thing. Daniel prayed three times a day. Daniel prayed three times a day. Daniel was an expert when it came to prayer. How many times have you ever prayed and you felt like you didn't get an answer from God? But we know that God hears and answers all of our prayers as children of God. Amen? So it's either been a yes answer, a no answer, or a not now answer. And it's, it's most likely that you got the answer that God gave you, but you probably just didn't like the answer he gave you, right? When we pray, we always want to get prayers the way we have prayed them. We, we as Christians, we want our will over God's will sometimes, don't we? Shake your head, yes, because that's the truth. Many times when we pray, we want our will over God's will. Well, how do we know God's will when we pray? Today, I want to show you six steps that we learn from the life of Daniel that Daniel modeled in his life, especially here in chapter 9, on how to pray prayers that God answers and God answers yes to. Number one, number one, this is very, very important. Each of these are very important, but I think this tops the list. When it comes to prayer, we need to let God speak to me before I speak to him. Now let's be really, really honest here. Let's take a poll. Let's be very, very honest here. In your prayer life as it stands right now today, who does the most talking, you or God? That's the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. If you want your prayers to be answered, and if you want your prayers to be answered in a yes fashion, then you need to allow God to do most of the talking. Who do you think is the wiser of the two in the conversation? I'd, I'd challenge a few of you on that, but uh, for the most part, God is the wiser of the two in the conversation. Who's omnipotent? Who knows all things? God. Who exists outside of time? Who, who knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end already? God. Who knows the purpose for your life? Who knows the purpose for your existence on planet Earth right now as it's going? God. So see, the first point in getting yes answers, the first point in getting answers to our prayers when we talk to God is let God speak to me before I begin speaking to Him. I believe that's a little-known principle in the prayer world today. It may be not little-known, but little-practiced. 
principle. And we all need to understand, when we're approaching the subject of prayer, God has far more to say to us than what we have to say to Him. Now listen, we need to know this principle as well. God is always the initiator of everything in your life. We are simply the responders. Now let me say that again, because you need to understand that. God is always the initiator of everything in your life. We are the responders to what God initiates in our life. You don't much like that, do you? No, you don't. I don't like that either. Why? We're rebellious people, aren't we? We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it on our terms. If it doesn't line up that way, we get puffed up sometimes, don't we? But see, God is the initiator of everything in our life, and we are the responders. God never expects us to make the first move. God always makes the first move, and we respond. The Bible says that we love God. Why do we love God? Because God first loved us. God initiated that love relationship, didn't he? The Bible says that we serve God because God first served us. For God so loved the world that he gave. See, God is the initiator, isn't he? God loved us first. God gave us what we needed first. And then in return, God wants us to love him and to serve him. The Bible says that we give to God because God first gave to us. God never asked us to do something he hasn't already done for us. The Bible teaches us that prayer starts with listening. Prayer starts with listening. So how do you listen to God? It's not some mystical way. It's not some magical way. It's not some far out of, we, uh, far out of reach, uh, Middle Eastern type uh, hocus pocus, pull a rabbit out of a hat. How do we listen to God? What's the primary way God's people have to hear from God? The Word. God never speaks outside of His Word. God never speaks outside of his word. I believe this with all of my heart. Everything that God had to say to all of humanity, from the very first Adam to the very last human being, God spoke it in his word. God will never speak to you outside of his word. These people run around and say, oh, I got a word from God today. Stay away from them. Stay away from them. They're hearing voices in their head, and it's not the voice of God. God is not giving fresh word today. God has said what God has said, and he meant what he said and said what he meant. We hear from God from his word. Now, does the Holy Spirit bring to remembrance what we've read? Yes, but that's not a fresh new word from God. That's the word of God that's stored in our minds and stored in our hearts. So how do you listen to God? By reading the Bible, by reading God's Word. That's what Daniel did. That's what we see Daniel doing. As we start chapter 9, Daniel is now 85 years old. 
Daniel's 85 years old. And he knows that God has said in the book of Jeremiah, because Daniel and Jeremiah are contemporaries, they're living at the same time. He is reading what Jeremiah has written. And in the book of Jeremiah, it says that you will be in Babylon for 70 years. Then I'll bring my people back to Israel. Okay, remember how old Daniel was when he was taken captive? 15. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Daniel is now 85. Somebody do the math. 15 plus 70. It's time to go home. It's time to go home. This is the, this is the crisis that Daniel is in right now. But here's what Daniel knows. It's been 70 years But the people that was left back home are still living the same kind of lives they were living when God sent this judgment upon them. They've not changed the way they're living. They're not changing the way they trust God and believe God and love God. They're still living the messed up, messy lives they've always lived. So Daniel knows the time is up, but he's wondering, is God going to be faithful to his promise? So in Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede who was made king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, listen closely, was studying the Scriptures. Daniel said, I was studying the Scriptures. Listen what he said. I learned from the Word. I learned from the Word of the Lord as recorded by Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Now there in your listening guide, would you please circle those two phrases? Circle was studying the scriptures, and circle I learned from the word. I learned from the word. Here's a fact. There's no way to dodge this. There's no way to get around this. Here's a fact. You'll never pray effectively. You'll never get more yeses than no and maybe. You're never going to pray effectively until you regularly study the Scriptures and learn the Word of the Lord. Here's how to get a yes answer. When you pray according to the Word of God, you're going to get a yes every time. Every time you pray God's word back to him, God is going to get excited about that and God is going to bless your prayer life. The more you know the Bible, the more your prayers are going to get answered. If you're ignorant to the word of God, if you don't know what the Bible says, if you don't know what the Bible teaches, you don't know how to pray. You don't know how to pray. You don't know what to pray. You don't know when to pray. And most importantly, if you don't know God's Word, you don't know the over 7,000 promises that God has given to you as a child of God. Now, when you pray God's promises, guess what you're going to get? God's promise. God's promise. John 15, 7. Listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ said. If you stay connected to me, if you stay connected to me and my words remain in your heart, get this, church, get this, children of God, you may ask any request you want in prayer and it will be given to you. 
That's the kind of prayer life I desire. What about you? I want the kind of prayer life that Jesus is talking about here. If you're connected to me and you stay connected to me and my words remain in you, how do we get God's Word in us? Read and study the Word of God. That's the secret. That's the secret. You may request, you may ask any request you want in prayer, and it will be given to you. So if I'm praying, if I'm praying and I'm not getting an answer, the first thing I need to check is this. Am I meeting these two conditions? Am I meeting these two con conditions? Am I staying connected with God? How do I stay connected with God? I stay connected with God by filling my mind and my heart with God's Word. And I spend an enormous amount of time in prayer with God, communicating with God. But as point one says, I'm allowing God to speak to me more than I'm speaking to God. Am I staying connected to God? And are His words remaining in my heart? Jesus said, if you stay connected to me and my word remains in your heart, you're in harmony with me. You're in harmony with me. The more we fill our minds with God's Word, the more yes answers we're going to get when we pray. And as we develop this habit of daily prayer, we begin to get answers that are going to revolutionize our lives. And there's not a person under the sound of my voice in this room or watching by Facebook or YouTube, and I'm talking to me too. I'm talking to Steve here. If I point a finger at you, remember I've got three or four pointing back at me. So I'm absorbing this myself as well. There's not a person under the sound of my voice that does not need a closer deeper, more intimate walk with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen there? Amen. As we develop the habit of prayer, we begin to get those answers that revolutionize our lives, and it makes us strong. It makes us strong. Do you want to be a stronger Christian today? It makes us confident wouldn't you like to be more confident in your faith today? Wouldn't you like to be more confident in your prayer life? It makes you fearless. It makes you fearless. I mean, we're, we, we're talking about unshakable, thriving no matter what hits us. Are we not being bombarded with fear every day that we wake up and live? What we're talking about this morning makes us strong. It makes us confident. It makes us fearless when we allow God to talk to us first when we allow God to talk to us the most then then what we talk to him I promise you I give you my word today I give you God's word today it'll radically change every single area of your life I promise when Daniel said I was studying the scripture here is what he was reading he was reading Jeremiah chapter 29 anybody familiar with Jan uh, with uh, Jeremiah 29 God says this to you. You will be kept in Babylon for 70 years. Daniel's done the math. I'm 85. I got here when I was 15. 70 years is up. But then I'll keep my gracious promise to bring you back to your home again. 
For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans for your disaster. My plans will give you hope and a future. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Now here's what I'm convinced of. If you've been around church any amount of time, if you've been around a believer any amount of time, you know this verse very, very well, don't you? But, there's a but coming, okay? But, we leave off the last phrase of that promise far too often. Far too often. Because the last part of that verse says, In those days when you pray, I will listen. In other words, if you want the promise, you've got to pray the prayer. Did you know that? Well, then why don't we quote the end of that verse with the rest of that verse? We leave it off. We leave it off. Now, I want you to listen very, very carefully. Here is what God is saying to his people. God is saying, I made you for a purpose. I made you for a purpose. I've got a plan for your life, but the plan for your life is not automatic. You have to participate. You have to participate. You can miss my plan, and you can miss my purpose for your life. God is saying, listen, I promise to rescue you. I promise to rescue you. I'm going to bring you back home. I'm going to do the things you need done in your life, but, but, there's two factors involved in your purpose being fulfilled. Get this. Here's the two factors. Now let's read, let's read that promise one more time. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. See, God has plans for them. God has a purpose for them. I have good plans for you, not plans for disaster. My plans will give you hope in a future. When you pray, all of this will come to fruition. All of this will become a reality when you pray and agree with me and ask for it. The two factors involved in God's promises coming to fruition in our lives is God's timing in my praying. Do you under, are you, are you starting, it may be foggy right now, but I'll clear it up for you. Are, are you kind of beginning to understand now why Daniel's a little bit worried and a little bit scared, a little bit concerned? He, he's probably getting letters from home, and he knows that they're still a mess over there. And he knows they're not praying. He knows they're not listening to God. So he's concerned about these promises coming true because God initiates the promise and then we have to respond to it and we have to participate in the promise. See, we live in a time, we live in a culture, we live in a, in a land where everything is just given to you. If you're too sorry to work, we'll just send you a check. If you're too sorry to work, we'll just give you free health care. Good place for an amen. Bible says that a man 
that refuses to work and provide for his family is worse than an infidel. God told Adam when he booted him out of the garden, from this day forward, you will work and you will work hard. You'll work so hard you'll sweat. You will work for everything you get. That was God's word to Adam. Why have we forgotten that? Preacher, you sound mean. No, I sound biblical. Now then, I'm talking about people that can work and won't work. Now, if you're disabled or if you're retired or, or you fit in those kind of categories, the church and God's people ought to swoop in and love on you and take care of you and provide for you. I'm not talking about people that can't take care of themselves. I'm not talking about people that can't, who can't provide for themselves and provide for their families. I'm talking about people who can and are too sorry to because we have crooked politicians in America that knows that if they send you a check, you'll vote for them and keep them in office. That'll preach. Not right now. We're going to preach on this now, maybe next week. There's two factors involved in God fulfilling your purpose in your life. It's all about God's timing, and it's all about me praying both have an important role in what God wants to do in your life today. God wants to do this in your life today. God's timing. When God is going to do what He wants to do, and you're praying when you ask Him to do it. Now this is very, very important. Because what it reveals to us is God's sovereignty. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone fool you. Don't let a false teacher or a false prophet, don't let a heretic teach you otherwise. God is sovereign over all things at all times. There is nothing going on in all of God's creation today that God is not in control of. You say, Brother, see, I have a hard time believing that. Well, get in the Word and you'll begin believing it. Everything that exists, exists because of God and from God. So God's in control. Can I get a good amen right there? God is in control. Now then, God and God alone, God and God alone determines the timing of His plan and His purpose for your life. But when the timing is right, you still have to pray because he's not going to do it until you have time and take time to sit down and listen to him to pour into you and then you agree with him and ask for it and God says you've got it. God's timing, my praying. God's timing, my asking. God never forces his plan on anyone. You have to agree and you have to ask. James 4.2 what does it say? You do not have what you need. Why? Because you haven't asked for it. You haven't asked for it. There's lots of things that hasn't happened in your life because you simply haven't asked God for it. You've never asked God for it. Okay. So how do I know? How do I know when I'm waiting on God? And how do I know when God is waiting on me? Boy, that's an excellent question. I'm glad you brought that up. 
if I've asked God to do something really great in my life and there's nothing between me and him, if I'm abiding in him and he's abiding in me and his word's abiding in me and, and I'm praying his word and I'm praying his will and I'm reading my Bible every day and I'm storing his word in my heart and I'm storing his word in my mind and I haven't got the answer yet, then I'm waiting on God. Then I'm waiting on God. It's all about his timing. So I patiently wait on God. And, and Christians love to wait, don't we? Oh, we do. Come on now. I mean, when we pray and God doesn't answer, we're like, yes, I get to wait a while on this. Right? I mean, you tweet it out and you post it on Facebook. Yay, I'm waiting on God. No. Not at all, right? 30 minutes goes by. And we, we've crawled up in the fetal position. We just don't know what we're going to do in life. It's been 30 minutes and I asked God for this and he hasn't answered me. Christ 70 years in a foreign land. Huh? Try 70 years in a foreign land remaining faithful to Almighty God. On the other hand, if I have something really great that I'm praying and asking God for, but I've never asked him for it, then apparently God's waiting on me, right? You have not because you ask not. So here's a question. What do you really want in life? What do you really want in life that you've never asked God for? First, listen to God, read his word, store his word in your heart, ask him for what you need. Number two, Number two, this is spot on for Hope in Christ Fellowship. It's not about, it's not about, it's all about Jesus. Take the, take the focus off of you and put it on God. When you make much of God, God will make much of you. Amen? Focus my attention on God. Don't focus on the problem. Don't focus on the issue. Don't focus on the want. Focus on God. If you want to get yes answers to your prayers, focus your attention on God. In verse 3, Daniel said, I'm studying the Word. I'm learning the Word of God. So I turn my face to the Lord, seeking Him. Daniel's not pouting. Daniel's not pitching a hissy fit. Daniel's concerned, but he's believing God. God said, here's the promise I'm giving you, and you're going to get the promise when you pray. So Daniel begins praying, and instead of Daniel making it all about him, Daniel's making it all about God. He said, so I turn my face to the Lord, seeking him. Circle that phrase, turn my face to God the Lord. Do you know how to turn your face to God in prayer? This is mind-blowing. This is, this is, this is big. I'm going to teach you how to turn your face toward God when you pray. You ready for this? You ready? On the count of three, I'm going to give it to you. Don't miss this. This is how you turn your face toward God in prayer. You ready? One, two, three. Is that simple or is that simple? Where is God? He's in the heavens. Now, most of us, 
have been raised, have been taught, and most of us, when we pray, we bow our head and close our eyes. Are we commanded to do that in the Bible? But we do it a lot. It's a good way to pray. I'm not saying it's a bad way to pray. I'm not even saying stop praying that way. But I'm saying Daniel knew how to talk with God and how to hear from God. And Daniel's practice was he turned his face to the Lord and he sought after God. We just look up. We look up and we say, God, Steve, right? Prayer, just a simple conversation. We turn our face toward heaven. We turn our face to the Lord and we seek him. Look what Amos chapter 5 and verse 4 says. God speaking through the prophet Amos says, Seek me and you will live. Short little verse, but a power-packed verse. God says, seek me and you will live. Don't seek yourself. Don't seek others. Don't seek wealth. Don't seek prominence. Don't seek great, powerful, wonderful, enjoyable things on planet Earth. Amos says, seek me. Seek God and you will live. You won't just Exist. You know why so many people are just existing today? It's because they're chasing after and seeking all their own things in life. God doesn't want you to just exist. God wants you to thrive no matter what life throws at you. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to really live. God wants you to live life to its fullest but the only way to truly live and enjoy the blessings of God is to seek God first and foremost he said those who seek me will find me look at Jeremiah 29 13 you will find me when you seek me now get this all your heart yeah, we want to claim Jeremiah 29, 11. But we want to overlook 29, 13, don't we? We, we want a handout. We want a freebie. We, we don't want to have to do our part. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, the greatest commandment in all the Scripture says to do what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Now, folks, I could ask this question to you, and I could ask this question to myself daily. Steve, can you honestly say with your hand on the Bible and your hand outstretched toward heaven, are you truly loving God with all of your being? And I have to say, no, not really. No, not really. I'm, most of it, a whole lot of it, but all of it? but all of it, all your heart. That's serious. That, that, that's, that's emotional seeking. We're going to talk more about that here in just a minute. God says you're going to find me when you really want to know me. When you really want to, that's when it's going to happen. Not like, oh, yeah, I get, yeah, I'd like, yeah, I'd like to know God. You know, between football and work and everything else. I'll, I'll try to fit him in. Amen or oh me? 
God says, when you seek me with all your heart, then you're going to find me and you're going to get to know me. Well, what's in it for me? Now, don't, don't sit there and tell me you didn't think that. Right? You thought that. You're as American as I am. What's in it for me, preacher? Let me show you what's in it for you. Hebrews eleven six. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if you seek him with all your heart, guess what he's going to do? He's going to bless your socks off. He's going to bless your socks off. Would you like God to reward your business? Seek him. Would you like God to reward your finances? Seek him. Would you like God to reward your marriage? Seek him. Would you like God to reward your children? Seek him. Would you like God to reward your relationships, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friends, your neighbors, all those people? Seek him. Would you like God to reward your future? Seek him. Seek him. That's the answer. But here's what we're doing. We're, we're chasing after the successful business. We're chasing after all the finances we can get. You know what I say about that. Get all I can, kill all I can get, and sit on the can. We're chasing after that happy, perfect marriage. We're, we're chasing after having the perfect children with the perfect grades and the perfect straight teeth and the perfect hair and the perfect everything. We're chasing after the perfect relationship, the perfect boyfriend, the perfect girlfriend, the perfect friendships, the perfect neighbors. We're seeking after all those, and we're working toward our future. We're working, we're working with all we've got to make all of this a success. And God's saying, but you're missing the point. I will bless all of those if you'll just seek me. If you'll just seek me, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, I know that's rocket science. I know that's really hard to understand, isn't it? Put God first, everything else will fall into place. That, that's, that's deep stuff, isn't it? That's almost as hard to understand as one foot in front of the other produces walking. That's hard too, ain't it? To get from point A to point B, I have to move. Now you say, Steve, you're walking now. No, I'm trying to show you how foolish it is to miss how to get your prayers answered. How to live a wonderful, blessed life from Almighty God. It's putting Him first above everything else. Everything you're working at and, 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 and ignoring God in, God says, put me first, and I'll work out all the details in all those areas of your life. A lot of the difficulties, a lot of the stress, a lot of the pressures, a lot of the troubles that we're facing, those messy relationships, almost all that stuff that you're facing right now that life is throwing at you. The reason it's beating you down is you're not seeking God first. Not seeking God first. Didn't seek His guidance, didn't seek His wisdom, didn't seek His help. You didn't seek his permission. You saw something you wanted, and you run after it, and you got it, and now it's causing chaos, and now you're blaming God. God, where are you in all this? And God said, well, if you'd have consulted me, we could have had that conversation earlier, but now I'm just going to let you waller in it. Because that's the only way some of us hard-headed people learn. Can I get an amen? 
Look at this promise. I gave you that one, didn't I? Look at this one. Hosea chapter 5, leading into chapter 6. I will return to my place on high. God's doing the speaking here. I will return to my place on high and wait until they acknowledge their offenses and feel their guilt and seek my face. God said, I'm still available. I, I, I long for that relationship. God says, I want that relationship with you. And I'm willing to wait. But here's what you've got to do, people. You've got to acknowledge your offense. You've got to feel and experience the guilt that comes along with it. And then you've got to run to Him and seek His face. Then in their troubles and distress, they will earnestly seek me. Why would a loving God allow me to make mistakes and waller in the consequences of those mistakes? Why would a loving God do that? Because He loves you. Because He loves you. He, he wants you to learn the lesson that when you do it on your own, apart from Him, there's consequences. But when you allow him to do the talking and you do the listening and you do the agreeing and you do the following, guess what comes? Blessings, 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 blessings. Let us return to the Lord so that he may heal us. Anybody in the room this morning sincerely needing a healing of some sort? All of us. All of us. God, I need you to heal my depression. God, I need you to heal my anxiety. God, I need you to heal me of the secret fears that scare me to death every day that I wake up. God, I need you to heal my body. God, I need you to heal my finances. God, I need you to heal my marriage. God, I need you to heal my relationships. God, I need you to heal my job, my career. All these things, God, that I need healing, I can't. I'm the one that brought it on me. God, I need you to heal me. I've sinned. I've rebelled. I've chased after myself, my dreams, my ambitions. I have lived a selfish, self-filled, self-conceited life. And God, I know where that's got me. That's got me in this mess that I'm in. And God, I just want to say I'm sorry. And God, I want to seek you because I know you want to bless me. Number three. How do we get our prayers answered? We express our desires with emotion. We express our desires with emotion. When I'm praying, when you're praying and you're telling God what you need, whether it's physical, whether it's material, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, whatever you're asking God for, you need to ask with emotion. You need to ask with emotion. So many of our prayers are just so dull and cut and dried and meaningless and purposefulness, lessness. You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? You married couples. You students dealing with parents. Have you really ever had a need that you needed someone to meet for you and you, and you go to that person and and, and, and with a lack of emotion, it's just dry and cut, cut and dried, and you go to them and, and you make a request of them. 
And they look at you funny and say, what do you mean by that? Right? How, how you deliver a request goes a long way, doesn't it? Huh? How you deliver a request goes a long way. Let me ask you a question. Do you know why we have emotions? Because we were created in the image of God. And God is a very emotional God. Did you know God is an emotional God? God loves you passionately. Do you believe that? God loves you passionately. He has a deep, he has deep, deep feeling for all of us. If you don't know how much God loves you, look at the cross. If you don't know how much God loves you, look at the cross. Jesus was very emotional when he was hanging on the cross, wasn't he? He was expressing his love for you and me. He was asking the Father passionate questions. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You think Jesus did that Hollywood style in old English language? You know, you've seen on TV, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You think that was Jesus on the cross? No, don't you think there was a real man named Jesus with great emotions making an emotional plea to his Father in heaven? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, which of those two do you believe actually happened on Golgotha that morning? I think it was the emotional plea, don't you? Does tone make a difference? When we ask someone for something. Well, how did Daniel pray? Let's look and see how Daniel prayed. In chapter 3, Daniel said, I was pleading with God earnestly in prayer. Now, we raised three kids. Now, we got six grandkids. When they really want something, they know the art of pleading, don't they, Nene? Hey, Nene. Hey, hey, Nene. Hey, I'm talking to you. Yeah. Uh, right now, Grant is pleading with Nene for something, and her attention was drawn to him. That's why she couldn't hear me. Pleading, right? We're talking about pleading with emotions. Daniel said, I began pleading with God. Why? He wants to go home. He wants what God has promised him, and he knows it's messed up over there. And he's concerned with the promise, and he wants the promise, and he wants it so badly that now he's really crying out to God. Now he's pleading before God, and he's praying earnestly in prayer. Circle those words, pleading and earnestly. Pleading means asking with emotion. You're not pleading when you says, Hey, can, God, can we go home? I'm kind of tired of being here. It's been swelling all, and you've been gracious to me, and I've seen a lot of cool stuff, but I want to go home. Is that pleading? No, that's not pleading. That's not pleading. Pleading means asking with emotion. It's not cut and dry. It's more than a routine request. Now, the Hebrew word for pleading is backwash. B-A-Q-U, no, B-A-Q-A-S-H. 
Look it up. It means an emotional request. An emotional request. It's serious seeking. It's searching with all your heart. It's earnestly begging. It's begging. It's pleading. The message paraphrase says it this way. I poured out my heart, bearing my soul to God. Bearing my soul to God. Have you ever prayed like that? See, I grew up. I grew up in a time that when, when you gathered at church to pray, it wasn't one of these most gracious, kind, heavenly father routines. No, the church gathered at the front together. And for about 20 minutes, there was emotional pleading and earnest praying taking place in the house of God. People were weeping with tears over the situations they were in. They were in tears and they were in anguish and they were crying and pleading out to God to save their lost husband, to save their lost wife, to save their lost children, to heal their nation, to, to work in their community, to help their church grow. We don't have that anymore. We don't have the power of God that they enjoyed either. Preacher, I just find that to be foolishness. God says he kind of uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. See, this, this emotional seeking of God comes when you're seeking God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, not just what little you've got left because you've already spent it on the world. Good place for an amen. I've seen so many people reading their Bible during a sermon in all my life. Everybody in the room says, Daniel's not praying a wimpy, weak prayer. Daniel is praying a gutsy prayer. Why? He's seeking God. He's pleading with God. He's earnestly praying with God. This is gut-wrenching praying. He's pouring out his heart and soul to God. When was the last time you prayed like that? Steve, when was the last time you prayed like that? What's he, what's he pleading with God about? As I said, he said, God, I, I want to go back home. I might have family back there. I'm tired of living in a pagan society. I, I want to go back home where I can serve you and worship you and live for you the way I know that you'd be pleased for me to live for you. He's telling God, I'm an old man. I, I came here as a boy, but I, I'm an old man, God. I'm 85. I've spent, I've spent my entire life serving these pagan kings. I've done good, God. I've stayed true. I've, I've maintained my integrity in this pagan world. I, I haven't denied my faith. God, I want to go back home. I want to spend what few days I've got left 
at home. Now listen, church. It's going to sting a little bit more before we finish. Jeremiah chapter 50. God says, Then my people will join together in tears to seek the Lord. I feel this in my heart. I feel this in my being. I know this church loves God. I know this fellowship loves one another. I know we love our community. I know we want to see our community saved. I know we want to see this church grow. I know that we want every church in Monterey that preaches and teaches and lives out the Word of God, we want to see all the churches flourish and do well, don't we? But we're going to have to get to this point to see those results. We've got to get here. We've got to plead. We've got to beg. We've got to agree with God. We've got to listen to God more than we talk to God. We've got to make it all about Him. We've got to become emotional about this. Then my people will join together in tears to seek the Lord and they will ask the way to Jerusalem they will ask the way to Jerusalem and they will start back home again they will return to their first love it's one of the most touching and hopeful verses in all of the Bible when God's people join together in tears to seek the Lord I mean, I'm not talking about artificial tears. I'm not talking about working something up. I'm talking about spending enough time in God's Word, in prayer, hearing from Him, allowing Him to break our hearts to the point that we weep and seek after Him and cry out for His will to be done in our hearts and in our lives and in our homes and in our church and in our community. Some of you need to pray that prayer for your own life today. God, how do I get back home? Some of us need to pray that for our families today. God, how do we get back home? Some of us need to pray that for our children today who are wayward and away from the Lord. We all need to pray this for our nation. We need to find our way back home. So when does God answer that kind of prayer? It says, when my people join together in tears with tears okay number four number four I told you it's going to sting a little more before it got better demonstrate my seriousness with fasting demonstrate my seriousness with fasting when you're praying about something and you're serious about it, you need to let God know how serious you really are. You need to let God know that you mean business about this prayer that you're praying. In the next part of this verse, Daniel mentions three ways that he shows his seriousness to God. Now, two of them were, were cultural. Two of them were cultural in nature, which we don't practice today. But the, the last one is a spiritual discipline 
that's been going on for centuries, which people still practice today and get great results from it. It's fasting. Daniel said, and I started fasting and went without food. Now, I'm going to make a statement. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being mean. I'm just being biblical. The only fasting I can find in the Word of God has to do with food. Churches want to make it easy on people. Oh, let's fast social media. Well, listen, contrary to what you believe, you won't die if you are not on social media. But you will die without food. Well, I'll just not listen to the radio for the next week, and that'll be my fasting. Really? Biblical fasting is the way Jesus fasted when Jesus was in the wilderness, and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights without food, and he got really, really hungry. And God knew that he was really, really serious about what he was talking about. And he was victorious over the enemy. I started fasting and went without food to show my sadness. I put on rough clothes and sat in ashes. Now let me put a disclaimer here. If you have underlying health conditions, you seriously need to talk to your doctor before you go fasting for long periods of time without food. You really do. Well, Brother Steve, I ain't asking my doctor. I'm just going to have faith in God. Please talk to your doctor first. I believe God will take care of you as well. But he may take you home quicker if you don't talk to the doctor first. Okay? Use your brain. Use your brain. There's a whole lot of people in America today not using their brain on a lot of things. Use your brain. The second part says, I put on rough clothes and set in ashes. Nobody that I know of does that today. That's not in the Baptist Constitution, right? None of y'all agree with that when you became members of Hope and Christ Fellowship. Nobody said you put on a tater sack and go out and set in the ash heap, right? We didn't talk about that. But we did talk about fasting, didn't we? Now, don't raise your hands. Don't nod your head in any direction. Rhetorical question. How many of us fast on a regular basis? We're talking about how to get our prayers answered. And we're watching the pattern of Daniel's life, and Daniel's getting his prayers answered, isn't he? Jesus himself said there's some miracles that happen only by prayer and fasting, not prayer alone. Why? Because when we fast, we're saying, God, I'm super serious about this. I'm super serious about this. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. The nation of Israel fasted every time before they went into a major battle. Daniel fasted in order to receive God's wisdom and God's will and, and, and get God's guidance. Nehemiah fasted before he began rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. Jesus fasted for victory over temptation and over Satan. The early church in the book of Acts is a church that fasts often in all their decision-making 
times. Fasting is simply saying, God, I'm serious. I'm serious, God. Number five. Number five. When we're praying, we need to be thankful. We need to thank God for His love and His promises. Christians are commanded in Scripture to live with the attitude of gratitude. Amen? This fifth thing that Daniel does in his prayer, he's reminding himself how good God is. He's reminding himself how good God is. Look at verse 4. He said, Then then I prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, you are great and awesome God. You always fulfill your promises and constant love to those who love you and keep your commands. In verse 9, he says, Even though we have rebelled against you, you, Lord, are merciful and forgiving. What's he doing? He's just telling God, God, you're great. God, you're awesome. God, you make promises. You keep promises. God, even though we are the miserable mess we are, God, you love us and you care for us. And God, I just want to praise you and thank you because you love us so much and you keep your promises. Number six. We want our prayers answered. We've got to deal with our sinfulness. I humbly confess my sins. Contrary to what you believe, God never listens to prideful complaining. But God always listens to humble confessions. Amen? If you'll practice point number five, and if you'll spend an abundant amount of your prayer time thanking God for His love and His promises, you'll find very little time to complain. Hmm? If we took out a sheet of paper right now and put a T across it and this side says blessings and this side over here just says life, I guarantee the blessings column will fill up before the life portion will fill up. Yeah, if you spend your time being thankful, you have little time for complaining. And most of the time, what you would fill up on the other side is a result of your sinning. God responds to humility. Does the Bible not say that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the... Now, some people think, yeah, but if if I tell God what I've been up to, He's going to punish me. If I start telling God of all of my sins, He's going to wear me out. Yeah. He already, he knows the ones you've done forgot about. Right? You're never going to tell God anything he doesn't already know. God knows all the stupid stuff you've done. 
Now, Chris and me and guys in our age group, we're just thankful that there wasn't social media back in the 80s, right? None of that stuff's recorded. There's no pictures of it. Praise God. That should be a hint to some of you younger people. Quit taking pictures and videos of it. So how does God, how does the God of the Bible, and how does God in the Bible respond when his people come to him in humble prayer? He responds with grace and with mercy and with forgiveness. You mean he's not going to punish me? No. Seriously? Seriously. Why not? Because Jesus took all of the punishment for your sins on the cross of Calvary. Yeah, but the Bible says that God chastises me. That's not punishment. That's correction. God will have a conversation with you about your sins, but he will not punish you because Jesus took our punishment on the cross of Calvary. And God would be a hypocritical God if he punished Jesus and you. I know. I raised twins. Caleb got punished for what Caleb did, and Curtis got punished for what Curtis did. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. It would have been wrong of me to punish Caleb for what Curtis did, and it would have been wrong of me to punish Curtis for what Caleb did. Am I right or am I wrong? I had a school teacher like that, and I never did like her. We had, in seventh grade, we had this mouthy girl. Anybody else go to school with a mouthy girl? And every time she got mouthy, I seen that. I ain't calling names, but I seen that. <laughs> okay. Uh, this girl, you know, you ain't supposed to talk while the teacher's talking. This girl would talk, and the whole class got in trouble. And the psychology behind that was that when the school bell rang, we would take her out back at school and beat her up and teach her not to talk in class. That, that had to be the psychology behind that. Why else would you punish everybody for one mouthy girl? She was like, they'll take care of her, and finally, eventually, she'll shut She never shut up. And we got extra homework and all this stuff because of that. But God doesn't operate like that. God wants you to come to Him and humbly confess your sins to him so that he can forgive your sins so that your sins won't be a hindrance in your prayer life. God cannot reward sin. So God wants you to humbly confess your sins to him. Admit your sins to God. Keep short accounts of those who sinned against you. And be humble. And be humble. Daniel chapter 9, verse 5 and 6 says, We have sinned and done wrong. When was the last time you told God that you had sinned and done wrong? Has it been a while? Or was it this morning? See, it needs to be at least three times a day that the pattern that Daniel prayed, right? Daniel gets very, very specific with his sins. We like to pray those generic prayers. God, I sin today, forgive me. Next subject, please. 
God says, back up, slow down. Why don't we name them one by one by one? Why? Because that will humble you. God wants you to be specific when you confess your sins so you learn from them and don't form a habit of them because when they become habitual, then you start praying like this. God, I sinned today. Forgive me. Next subject. Right? Now listen how Daniel, listen how Daniel confessed his sins. Now circle these in your listening guide. Circle the verbs. Circle the verbs as we read through the rest of this. We have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you we have ignored your commands we have rejected your laws we have refused to listen to your servants the prophets who spoke your message to our kings and to our leaders and to our parents and everyone else in our nation Daniel is very specific confessing these sins we have sinned we've rebelled we've ignored we've rejected we haven't listened Then in verse 7 and 8, Lord, you always do what is right. Can I get an amen right there? Lord, you always do what is right, but we have brought disgrace and shame on ourselves as a nation, as a nation, because we've been unfaithful to you. This is true of all of us, including our kings, leaders, parents, and now we're exposed before the whole world. What's he saying? He's saying, God... You know that we have been unfaithful to you. You know that we've committed spiritual adultery. We have given our love to somebody else when we were supposed to give our love to you. Verse 10 in the message paraphrase says, We paid no attention to you when you told us how to live. The clear teaching that came through your prophets. I've just got a couple of more scriptures I want to share with you. And I want to apologize that the backside of your listening guide's blank, isn't it? Yeah, they wasn't supposed to be that way. But last night, yesterday afternoon, I text Greg and I said, "Did you done print the guide?" And he says, "Yes." And I'm like, "Okay." I found the mistake. So the rest of the scripture's not on there, but you can jot down just these references so that you have them. Verse sixteen. Verse sixteen. Daniel said, and now all the other nations mock us. And now all the other nations mock us. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Why? Because I just read the laundry list of the last 50 years of American history. You want to go back and look at them one more time and see if this ain't America? We've brought disgrace and shame on ourselves because we've been unfaithful. We paid no attention to you when you told us how to live. We've sinned and done wrong. We've rebelled against you. We've ignored your commands and rejected your laws. We've refused to listen to your servants. Does that sound like America to you? Now all the other nations mock us. Daniel knows. Daniel knows that 
He doesn't deserve God's blessings. He knows his nation doesn't deserve God's blessings. But he still casts himself upon the grace of God, doesn't he? Because he knows God is faithful. He knows God is faithful. Verse 18. Oh, God, listen to me. There you go. Oh, God, you hear the pleading, don't you? You hear the emotion. Oh, God, listen to me and hear my request. We do not ask because we deserve help, but because you are merciful. So humbly confess your sins to God, individually, specifically. In verse 20, he says, While I kept on praying and confessing my sins and the sins of my people and pleading with the Lord, suddenly the angel Gabriel appeared in my vision. Why? Because God's listening. And God has answered his prayer. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. God has never sent Gabriel to my house when I was praying. What about you? But he doesn't have to. Why? Because we've got the rest of the Bible. We've got the New Testament. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't need an angel to show up. We have God within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. So important that God says, listen, I need Daniel to be encouraged here. I'm going to send one of my archangels down there. Let him know, I heard your prayer when you first prayed it, but Daniel's been really, really busy fighting, and he got delayed, but he's here now. And Daniel, here's what I want you to know. I heard your prayer, and help is on the way, and I'm sending you back home. Now, how did he get that prayer answered? I just told you. I just told you. The six things I just gave you. I just gave you. Now, I want to share one final verse with you today. And I want to do just a little bit of teaching about it before I give it to you, and then I'm done. The reason I know that Daniel's prayer worked for him, And the reason that I know that this prayer will w- work for us today is because it's a promise from God. And it's a very, very famous promise from God. But before I read it to you, here's what you've got to know and understand. It's one of the most misused and misquoted portions of scripture in all of the Bible this is not a promise to any nation this is not a promise to any nation it's not a promise to a people group it's not a promise to a politician it is and only is a promise to God's people to God's people. Why do you say it's not to a nation? Because God's people populate every nation on the planet. God's not promising this to a nation. God plainly tells us within this promise who this promise is to in the first three words. Say those three words for me. If my people... This is not a promise to America. It's not. It's a promise to God's people and God's people only. And here's the promise. If my people who are called by my name, Christians, Christ followers, the church, if my people who are called by my name will what we just talked about, humble themselves. 
There's a lot of ifs here, isn't there, church? Again, this is not a freebie. This is not a handout. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, how do you get your prayers answered, and seek my face, we talked about that, turn from their wicked ways, turn from their sinful ways, then and only then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I will heal their land, my people's land, their families, their lives. I don't know what you need healing today. But as I look around this room, as I just think about the many, many people watching today and who will watch going forward, there's lots and lots of healings that need to take place. There's people that need their minds to be healed, their hearts, their bodies, their business, their finances, their relationships, their marriage, healing from your fears. Families need to be healed. Marriages need to be healed. Here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. Looking at this portion of Scripture, God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and say, God, I blew it, and God, I'm sorry. And if we'll pray, and if we'll plead with God, if we'll plead emotionally with God, if we tell God, God, I'm sorry that I haven't been seeking after you. And God, I've made a bunch of decisions, a bunch of dumb decisions. And God, now I know that I'm paying for it. If we'll pray like that, and if we'll pray and seek his face, if we tell God, God, you've got my attention now. God, my attention's not on everything else. God, my attention is on you. God, I'm looking at you. And turn from their wicked ways. God says, then from where I sit in heaven, I'll begin to listen. I'll listen to your prayers. I'll forgive your sin, and I'll heal your land. Let's bow our heads together. Precious Father, thank you that you are such a good and gracious God. Father, as we get ready as a faith family to claim this promise in our families, in our own, our own lives, God, you've told us through this message today, through your word today, that if we stay connected to you, and if we store your words in our hearts, Father, we can ask for what we will. And it'll be done. Father, I'm thankful for those that are sitting in this room today, and I'm thankful for those that are watching through live stream, even those that will watch in days and weeks and months and years ahead. God, I know they love you. They want to do what's right because if they weren't interested in doing what's right, they could be doing any number of things today besides being here and worshiping you. God, they're here, and that says that their heart is pointed in the right direction. And God, on all of our behalf today, I pray that you hear the prayers that we're about to pray. Would you pray with me today, church? Dear God, 
I want to learn to seek you better. I want to build a habit of having multiple conversations with you every day. I want to spend more time in your word every day. Father, help me see that your plan for my life involves your timing and my praying. And God, I have not because I ask not. Father, teach me to focus my attention on you. God, it's so easy to get distracted in this world, but I want to turn my face toward you this morning. Lord, teach me how to talk to you with emotion, to be authentic, to be real, to not be phony and not be fake. Lord, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Teach me to pour out my heart to you with tears. God, I've wandered away and I'm not as close to you as I have been in the past. I want to start back home today. Help me to demonstrate my seriousness in my praying through fasting. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your promises. Thank you, thank you for being faithful even when I'm not. Thank you that when I come and humble myself before you and confess my sins, thank you for forgiving me. Father, we ask you to work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Those that may have never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior today, if he's dealing with your heart right now this morning, I invite you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. Jesus, I believe in my heart that you died for my sins. And our Father resurrected you from the dead on the third day. Jesus, right now I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, you are Lord and you are the Savior of my life. Jesus, I've committed too many sins to number today, but you know all of them. I ask that you forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. So that from this day forward, I'll walk in your ways and your statutes. Help me to pray every day. Help me to read your word every day. Help me to be in church every time the doors are open. Help me live a life that brings you honor and glory. Father, thank you for saving me. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Church, let's practice what God has spoken to our hearts today. We want to grow closer. We want to be more blessed. If we want to see more results... We need to practice what God spoke to our hearts today, don't we?
And whether it's right there in your seats or whether it's at these altars, let's cry out to God today. If you've got to take your listening guide as you kneel down and pray through it and be obedient to the word that way, do that today. Let's get on our face before God today and let's call out to Him. Let's recommit our lives to Him. Let's be passionate about the Lord and passionate about serving Him. Let's do it today in the name of Jesus.